You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Well, good morning and happy Father's Day again to you guys. It's great to be here and I would like for you to welcome a special guest with me. This is my wife, Micah, and uh, glad that... She has uh, decided to join me today and help us talk about uh, the needs of a husband. And so how do we meet those needs? We're going to talk about them today. And this is the the fifth Sunday in this series uh, entitled Wedlock. And so we emphasize the word lock when we say wedlock because in a lot of marriages, um, they just kind of feel like they're in prison and on lockdown, and there's not the, the friendship and the fun that you once had, and, and uh, they're, even, even though that you live with this person, you can feel isolated and alone. And so we've been talking about ways of how we can unlock uh, that feeling. And um, we've been talking about ways that, that as a husband, as a wife, we can meet those needs and, and uh, help each other to grow. And the, the bottom line for the series has, has been marriage should liberate, not incarcerate. And so for a lot of marriages, they feel like they're incarcerated. But the, the unique opportunity that God has given us in marriage is that we know each other really, really well. I know all of the, the good things about her. I know some of the things she struggles with. She knows what I struggle with. And so together, if we are on the same page and we humbly listen to each other and our desire is to grow closer to Christ, then I can hear from her those areas that I struggle in. She can hear from me. And then as we strive to become more like Christ, we're able to uh, become more mature. And so uh, that's how we can begin to liberate each other and break sinful habits and, and begin to experience the freedom of Christ more so in our life. And so uh, the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at Ephesians chapter 5 and, and how very clearly the scripture says that husbands are called to love their wife and wives are called to respect their husbands. And we've learned that like, when a husband doesn't feel respect, he will tend to respond to his wife unlovingly. And when a wife doesn't feel loved, she'll tend to respond to her husband with no respect. And that puts us on a vicious cycle Um, We call it the crazy bus, and we've all taken a turn and a ride on the crazy bus where we have said, if you would do this, then I would do that. And if you would stop doing this, then I would do this. And it's almost like a tug of war, and we go back and forth on if you would, and then I would, and back and forth. That's the crazy bus, and we've got to get off the crazy bus, and we have to decide instead of defeating each other in that cycle and draining each other in that vicious crazy bus, that we would start to energize each other. And so uh, when we energize each other, when we encourage each other, we begin to meet one another's needs. And so uh, the key for a man is that even when he feels disrespected, he responds to his wife in love. And the key for the wife is even when she doesn't feel loved, she responds to him with respect. And, and that begins to bring energy to the relationship and, 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 and encourage one another. And then uh, we begin to meet each other's needs. And last week we talked about the needs of a wife. And so uh, we talked about how wives need uh, their husband to show affection. How the husband needs to uh, bring communication and learn how to decode his wife's messages. And uh, we, we learned about how uh, husbands need to honor their, their, their wife w- with loyalty. And, and so we, we looked at what honor looks like in a marriage. And then we talked about uh, providing financial security to our wife. And then finally, your wife needs you to commit to the family. And so be involved as a parent. Be involved in the affairs of the house. And so uh, we talked about those things. And so today we're going to turn our attention to what uh, a, a husband's needs 
really are. And so if you've got your Bible, let's go to Ephesians chapter 5 again. We're going to just continue to peel back some layers of Scripture here uh, to improve our marriage and to, for us really to mature as followers of Christ. And so it says this in Hebrews chapter 5. We'll start in verse 22. It says, husbands, I'm sorry, it says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh." This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. All right, well, let's peel this back a little bit today and and start with the first need of a husband. And a, a husband needs his wife to affirm his leadership, affirm his leadership. And so it clearly says here in verse 22 that wives are called to submit to their husbands. And so what does submission look like in the 21st century? What does it look like in our culture today? And what does it look like uh, in in your family? And so what it needs to look like, what he teaches here, is that a a Christian wife would seek in her attitude and in her disposition to follow the leadership of her husband. So Essentially, the husband is the leader of the family. He's the spiritual leader of the home. This is what it teaches. And so as, as we uncover that, as we see this, it, it, it calls uh, the wife to respect her husband in such a way that she would follow his leadership. Now, in the Genesis creation account, God creates man, he creates woman. And in so doing, he, he creates us in complementary ways. He creates man for specific purposes. He gives men uh, a a giftedness. He gives men uh, a a role and a responsibility to play specifically in the family and in the church. And he gives a wife, he gives a woman uh, giftedness and roles and responsibilities that are different than the husband. So we've got to affirm the fact that women and men are equal on every level And at the same time, we have to celebrate that we have differences. We have different roles. We have different responsibilities, specifically in the family and specifically in the life of the church. And so Ephesians 5, Paul is teaching us that this is a glimpse and a picture of the gospel. It's a mystery, he says, and it takes a while, and we may never clearly understand all the intangibles and in, in, in the imagery that he's teaching here, but the gist of it is that in the, in, in the way that Christ sacrificially loves the church and leads the church, so a husband sacrificially loves and leads his wife. And as the church submits to the leadership of the Lord, the wife is called to submit to the leadership of her husband. So Micah, um, this can be a bit controversial in in our day and time, and and so what would you say and how would you 
you know, speak into this subject for us today from a woman's perspective? Okay. So first, I think that it would be helpful to talk about what submission is not. Submission doesn't mean that I am inferior, that women are inferior to men. So as I submit to his leadership, that doesn't mean that he's better than me. Um, It doesn't mean that we're always going to agree. It doesn't mean that I can't share my opinion. Um, It doesn't mean that all women submit to every man. I'm not commanded to submit to men. I am called to submit to my husband. And in 2 Timothy, it tells us that, you know, the elders of the church are to be men, and we are all called to submit to the elders of the church. But that doesn't mean that women can't be leaders. In fact, we need women to be leaders in every area, other area of the church. We need women to be, you know, bosses and CEOs and presidents of their companies. We need women to be involved in politics and run for what do you, office um, and, you know, lead our country. Absolutely. I think that's huge because just like every biblical uh, passage, we can take this passage and we can manipulate it and interpret it to mean something that God didn't intend for it to mean. And so in a lot of uh, places and and environments, a man could read that and say, oh, men are superior to to women. And so therefore, you know, uh, I don't want my boss to be a woman. I don't want there to be a a woman president or all these kinds of things. And, And that could not be further from the New Testament teaching on the subject. Just like she said, she's not called to submit to men. Uh, she's, she's called to submit to my leadership and to God. And, and so I think, I think men need to understand that. And I think uh, our, our ladies need to be empowered by that and start walking in that confidence. Yeah. And then, you know, lastly, I would just add that submission does not mean that we have to endure uh, abuse in an attempt to be submissive. That is not what submission is or looks like in any way. So if, you know, if a woman is in an abusive, emotional, physical relationship, she needs to seek help and she needs to get out of that relationship immediately. Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk about just personally how this um, works in our marriage and kind of pull back the curtains a little bit. So I want to, I want to go a different, uh, a direction. I've got an idea I feel like our family should go, whatever. So I approach you with that idea as an idea, and I don't come to you saying, this is what we're doing. We, you know, we have a discussion. So what does that kind of look like? So usually he's met with a lot of questions because I'm a detailed person, um, and so sometimes that drives him a little crazy, but I do ask a lot of questions. <laughs> I'm not super detailed. No, not at all. To say the least. And so, you know, um, for me as a woman, that fear of the unknown of what the future holds, that's, a, that's an issue for me, and I think for a lot of women. We want to know what's just up the road. Often we can't see that, and so there's a lot of fear in that. Sometimes there's hesitation. Um, sometimes we agree on it and we move forward, but I think about when you came to to me and said that, you know, you felt called to start Foothills Church. Well, that wasn't met with an immediate, yeah, let's go. Let's, you know, I wasn't immediately on board. To be honest, um, there was a lot of hesitation, a lot of conversations. And, you know, I will say that you were, you were very patient in that. You know, like he said, he didn't say, God's called us to do this, so pack up the house, we're moving to Maryville. That didn't happen. It was about a six-month period of God. And, you know, God was working in my heart as well during that time. So. Yeah. And I mean, I would never take this subject or that verse and, and use that to force her to do something that she didn't feel good about or that she didn't agree with. I would never do that. 
And I, I have people all the time, especially even pastors in ministry, well, God's calling us to move and start a church here to go there. Well, my first question is, what does your wife think about this? Well, she's not really on board. Then I say immediately, then you are not called to go there. And so you, 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 you can't be called to do something that your wife is adamantly against. And so that, that means that there needs to be some more tilling of the ground and some more conversations and prayer uh, because you don't want to take that job. You don't want to move to a new city. You don't want to start something new. If your wife isn't like two thumbs up, I'm, I'm with you. And so that's hard for guys too because that leads us to you know, a lot of tension there of how do, we, how do we manage that? I feel like I need to lead. She's not following my leadership. Well, that's where we would say maybe it's time for a mentor, a coach, a pastor, counselor to come in and, and bring some outside advice to the situation to help you kind of navigate that. Um, but I, w- I would imagine in this room that there's probably some uh, wives in the room who might be struggling with submitting to their husband's leadership. So what would you encourage them with? What would you sh- share with them? Well, that's a hard question when I don't know the specifics behind her reasons. You know, I would say that we need to understand, ladies, that we are— we're going to struggle with this. Um, when we look at Adam and Eve, and we see that the, you know, the sin in the garden, and we read in Genesis 3.16 that her desire would be for her husband and would be to rule over him, and his desire would be to rule over her. And so there's going to be this constant fight, this power of who's in charge, and that's a real thing. Uh, but Paul says that, you know, God's design for marriage is for me, for the wife to willingly submit to her husband, and for the husband to sacrificially lead. So I would say, I would say first of all, you know, let's check our heart. Is there a pride issue? Is there just that desire to lead and dominate um, and, you know, kind of rob him of that ability to lead in that way? You know, maybe he isn't a believer. Maybe he has, you know, done something to lose her trust. That's huge. Um, But I would tell her, find something that you can affirm your husband in. Is he providing for your family? Is he protecting you? Find something and start there. Anything. Find something good, right? There's got to be something There's good. Got to be something. <laughs> and, uh, and, and encourage that and uplift that. And one of the things you just mentioned is, uh, raises a question for me, like what if he is an unbeliever? Uh, maybe he is a very immature believer at that. And so what would you do in that situation? Does a Christian wife, is, is, is God still calling her to submit to that? That leadership, and I would say yes. Uh, in fact, First Peter actually speaks directly to that scenario and that situation, and he he actually calls wife to, uh, wives to submit to their husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, if the husband does not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of the wife's life. And so, from that, what's the word reverence? What is reverence? Respect. By living respectfully and in that behavior of honor and purity that you demonstrate to an unbelieving husband, that's going to demonstrate the gospel to him and prayerfully and hopefully win him over to the faith. And so, yeah, we, we, we sub, uh, uh, wife submit to that. Never, going back to what you said earlier, never though at the expense of sin. If he were leading you in the direction of sin or if there was abuse there, then absolutely not. But in that case of, okay, yeah, I'm just going to humbly submit and, and try to win him over to the Lord, then I would say absolutely. And I would say one last word just about, you know, leadership in, in the church. And so she, she mentioned elders and that one role, uh, understanding one role that God has, has called men to, to lead in the church. But there are 
multiple ways that women should and must and can lead in God's church. And so um, for, for Micah, I mean, she's led in almost everything that we've done in this church. Uh, she was the, the, the lead pastor's assistant when we first started. Uh, you were, um, you were a, a, the children's ministry director. You were um, a small group leader for students. You've led in adult small groups. You've led women's Bible studies. You've, I mean, you've done a plethora of things. Um, you started the MDO ministry and led that for a season. And so I, I don't think we need to discount uh, the influence of a pastor's wife in his life and that support or the role that women play in the life of the church. And so I, I hope ladies see uh, our heart in, in this conversation, especially that we need you guys to lead and to step into those areas um, of, of ministry. And so uh, wives, your husbands need you to affirm that leadership. And so following um, their leadership. Secondly, uh, he needs your unconditional love and respect. Unconditional respect. So a man's ultimate desire is to be respected. That, that's how a man feels love and value. Does she respect me? And so when it comes to respect, a lot of people think that respect has to be earned. And so can you speak to that issue for us? So the problem with men you know, wanting respect is that that's what we've heard our whole life is that respect has to be earned, that love is unconditional, but respect has to be earned. And nowhere do we read in Ephesians 5 that respect has to be earned. Um, in fact, the bottom line is that respect and love are not earned. They are graciously given. And so some women feel that their husbands don't deserve their respect. But I would say, ladies, that just as much as we want to be loved unconditionally, you know, he, their desire is to be respected no matter what. And so even though those desires are different, the way that we want those fulfilled is the same, which is unconditionally. Um, and, you know, I think for some women, this is just simply a new concept, um, that they don't understand that a man's ultimate desire is to be respected over their desire to be loved. Um, and that's just the way it is. That's how God created us. And, and a caveat to that is, I mean, obviously, if, if a husband is living in such a disrespectful way, like he is not pursuing the Lord, there's sin in his life, obvious sin, he's not repentant of that sin, I don't think what you're saying is, yeah, respect him even though he is a blatant heathen, right? No, um, no. But again, we would go back to, okay, what, what areas can we respect and what, and, and what areas can we yeah. find to encourage him on? And so I, I think when it comes to uh, respect, body language is a huge thing. Like um, when your husband is talking or telling a story, are you rolling your eyes in the background to get a laugh? Are you shaking your head because it's not the correct story or he's made some mistakes or whatever? We've all done that. Like, being, you know, a guy's been telling a story and as he's telling the story, the wife interjects, no, 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 it wasn't left, it was right. No, 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 it wasn't there, it was here. And, and constantly correcting and constantly interjecting these things. And it just, you know, it sounds silly and it sounds small, but it is disrespectful. And so, you know, your body language, your eyes, the sarcasm, you know, and the jokes that sometimes, you know, wives will, will, will say or, or share in the marriage can be very disrespectful and over time build up and, and really hurt a man's confidence. Yeah. For example, a second ago, you said Hebrews 5 instead of Ephesians 5, and I did not correct you Thank on that. Thank you for that. Yeah. Thank you. So it was on the screen. I figured you guys were good. So, yeah. Yeah. So another— <laughs> Point in case. <laughs> Details. They're important. Okay. Yes. So another example would be, you know, in this economy <laughs> when people are under underemployed, unemployed, you know, it can be devastating for both men and women, but I think especially for men, 
Their desire is to provide for their family. And so when they're not doing that very well, that can be very emasculating. And so when women express valid frustrations in that financial security, you know, it can cause their husbands to feel less of the man that he desires to be. Yeah, and so continue to encourage it, even in that frustrating season. Um, so husbands need their, their wives to uh, give them unconditional respect. And so thirdly, we would say that your husband needs your encouragement, your encouragement. So can you speak to encouragement? Well, I mean, you guys, you desire for us to think that you're great at everything, I would say, you know, yes, you're great. You, yes, you're a great father. How am I doing right now, by the way? You are doing awesome. Thank you. Yes, yes. You're a great father, great husband, great provider. Stop it. Great, whatever, you know, everything you do at the house. Okay. I could go on and on, honey, but time's taken. Time. Yeah. Okay. So, but there's a good chance that your husband could be insecure about something in his life. You know, his looks, his job. There's a great chance that he is insecure. Great chance. <laughs> and so, and so, Maybe it's looks, maybe it's his job, maybe it's, you know, performance at work or whatever. And so needing but we have that encouragement. To be, we have to be intentional about this is what I'm saying. So, you know, we have to, when we're, we get busy and we get distracted. And so we don't often think about this, but they need to hear things that they are doing well, that we need to remind them and encourage them in this. Mm-hmm. You are, you know, providing, thank you for being a good father. Thank you for providing for our family. Thank you for working so hard. So on the flip side, though, what if a wife is sitting there right now thinking, you don't know my husband, he is not doing well. (laughs) What would you say to her? Well, I would say even if your husband, if you think your husband isn't doing well, he's got to be doing something right. Okay, he's married to you. So there you go. Start there. He's got Uh, good taste. Yes, he has great taste. So you know what? In In our marriage, there were times when, honey, you weren't doing so well either, I I would say. Yes. We weren't doing well. We weren't. We weren't. You know, when, when our kids were little, you know, we had three at that time. We are starting out in ministry, and Trent was really working a lot and pouring himself into the ministry. Um, and there were so many times when I felt like a single mom. And so we fought a lot about this. He did fellowship. Yeah. We fought a lot about <laughs> this. <laughs> and so, you know, I had to come to a point where I really had, I had a breakdown, and I really had to share my heart with him about how I was feeling. Well, and she had tried to share her feelings uh, along the way. She was really good at using sarcasm and uh, nagging and those kinds of things. And I wasn't really good at decoding any of those statements. And so um, the situation you're talking about that day was a game changer for our marriage because I saw her heart in a way that I had never opened myself up to or heard, and she shared it in a way that I had never received or never really seen. Because, you know, when you put up this facade of, I am large and in charge, and here's, here's some sarcastic remarks, and here's how awesome I am, and here's how bad you are, and so in a demeaning way that, that spirit is there, then, then it's going to be really hard for a husband to, to see your heart. And so it's going to be hard to decode because, like I said last week, we're busy defending our honor. And so when, when she came and she was like, you know, just kind of bared her heart out and I saw the pain and I saw what I was causing, God used that to wake me up and, and really change the trajectory of our, our marriage at, at that point. And so it was huge. He changed me. Oh, sorry. I forgot what I was Your spirit, your spirit. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, sorry. I was so moved by that. I just completely lost my train of thought. Yes, thank you for that. So when, when, when we have to, ladies, when we go to our husband with 
what's going on in our heart. We, we really do have to go about it um, in the right spirit, and our heart has to be in the right place. So, you know, when I would get emotional and yell at you, and, you know, he wasn't hearing me. He couldn't get past all that. Um, and so, you know, when I would come to him with that sense of being in the right place and say, this is what's going on, because that's what we want them to hear. We want them to hear our heart. We want them to know what's going on. Um, and so after multiple conversations, if you feel like you are not getting anywhere, then I would say that it might be time for you to get some help outside of, you know, yeah. your marriage. Get a, get a pastor, a friend, a mentor, someone in your small group that can help walk alongside you guys so that you can get it. And we've had many coaches along the way. We've yes. been blessed with, with great family members and great friends Absolutely. in our life that have coached us and, and led us in the right direction. And so every single person in the room needs a, a coach at one point in your life when it comes to relationships, when it comes to your marriage. And so every husband needs to be encouraged by his wife. And then number four, he needs you to be his friend and he needs you to have fun with him. And so um, very simple here, but ladies, um, it, it's really time for you to start being friendly with your husband. I mean, how simple is that? Like, but be friendly to him. Act like you actually like him and want to be around him and, and, and let down some of those walls and some of that bitterness to, to really become his friend. A man needs a, a wife that is going to experience recreational fun with him. Men are adventurous. A lot of times they like to be in the woods. They like to be on the water. They like to be, you know, doing things outside. And so that's why he's asking you to go down the river and asking you to go do things. And you're like, that's ah, not me. And, uh, but a, a wise wife will, will jump into some of those things that she may not necessarily choose to do on her own, but to respect her husband and to be his friend and to have fun in those moments um, would be, I think, a helpful um, thing. And so a lot of times, though, stuff just gets in the way. And so why is it hard for, for wives just not to, you know, enjoy friendship and to do fun things? So I would say oftentimes it's because of our calendar. I mean, we are busy. You know, we have a hectic life. We have our home, our job, um, you know, just taking care of our day-to-day -day things that sometimes— you know, we don't give time for ourselves, let alone time for our spouse. And so we get busy and distracted. And sometimes I would just say that we simply forget. I don't know how we forget to do something that seems like it should be so important. But it's not because we don't want to. I think it's just because we see it as a have to. Um, you know, we tend to do, I'm sorry, we tend to do the things that we have to do, right? So we have to take our kids to practice and games, and we fill our schedules so full with running here and there, often at the expense of our marriage, at, of church. Um, and so we, we put all these things in front of our relationship with our spouse, and that can be very damaging. I mean, we, ladies, we have to take this seriously. You have to put your husband first. I know you love your kids. I love mine too. But we have to put him, our husbands, before we put their schedules. Yeah. And, and, you know, men are the same way. Like a lot of times it could be the kids that, you know, the, the husbands are putting before their, their wife. And so there, there is an equal give and take there of prioritizing um, that relationship. So one of the most spiritual things you uh, might do this week is skip eight-year-old soccer practice so that you and your wife, you and, and your husband can go out on a date. And we've done that. You know, there, there have been some seasons of craziness and, and uh, there's been practice and, and, and even games. And we've just been like, you know what? It's not that big a deal. You know, 
90% of your kids won't be playing in college. Uh, many of them won't be playing in high school. They're going to get burnt out because you, you have them playing so much now that they're going to be burnt out by the time they get to high school. And so um, it's okay to say, it's not that big a deal. We're not going to go tonight. We need time together. And that could be one of the most revolutionary spiritual things that you, you do. And so uh, having fun together isn't an extra. Maybe one day we, we should uh, or we'll get to. It's essential. It is essential for, for you uh, in your marriage. You know what? One of the greatest ways to affair-proof your marriage is to enjoy it. If you'll just simply begin to enjoy spending time together and enjoy hanging out together and doing things that you like. I mentioned, you know, wife's doing things that, you know, your, your husband likes. But equally for me, um, w- what am I doing that she likes to do that I wouldn't necessarily want to do? And so there's that give and take. You know, I don't necessarily want to, you know, go to shopping or to go do this. But if it encourages and helps, then, then I'll do that. And, and that's just part of, of, of having fun and meeting those needs in marriage. And so a husband really needs his wife wife to be friendly, to be friends with, and to do adventurous uh, recreational activities with. And then uh, number five, uh, your husband needs you to fulfill his sexual needs. And so can you speak to that? So when a man chooses a wife um, to, and makes a commitment to her, he is saying, I will look to you to meet my physical needs. And I'm committing myself exclusively to you. So a lot of the needs that we talked about today can be met by someone else. I mean, your mom can encourage you. You can go out and have fun and, you know, do fun things with your friends. But this is the one area that can only exclusively be met by your wife. And so we have to make a commitment to look at this and not take this lightly because this, this is a need that only we can fulfill. Yeah. And so I would say that there are probably some husbands in the room who, might I say, are on a limited diet when it comes to physical needs, uh, not to your choosing. And uh, ladies just need to understand that when, you know, you reject your husband or, you know, this is not the time, if, if he continually experiences that level of rejection, it will impact every area of his life. And that's not because we're shallow. That's because this is how God has created us. This is a, a, a need that God has given to us and, and a desire there. And so, you know, it'll affect his confidence. It'll affect his leadership. It'll affect um, how he interacts in that relationship. And so, um, you know, typically in a, a marriage when this issue is an issue, and, and, and let's just be honest, uh, for a lot of people, it is an issue. And so when, it's never just one-sided, though. There are reasons, there are multiple reasons, there are layers, there's complexity to it. There's all kinds of things that that come into play when it comes to the physical side of marriage. But um, I think it's, it's, it's helpful and valuable and necessary for a wife to open up to her husband and say, here's why I'm struggling. Here, here's why and some of the reasons why I'm saying this and, and doing this. And, 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 and then for a husband to say, well, here's how it makes me feel, you know, when, when this happens and when this rejection, I mean, here, here's where I'm at. And I, I think when we can, going back to what you said earlier, in, in a loving, calm way, expose our heart, then we can kind of see, okay, here, I'm called to love her sacrificially. She's, she's called to, to, to love me. And, 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 and together we take these steps to overcome these issues and to deal with these issues. We don't want to just, you know, you know, sweep these issues under the rug. We don't want to just ignore these issues because these are, these are huge issues, especially this one for a man. And I know a lot of women are probably just like, I don't get it. 
I don't understand. It's, I, it's just that, listen, again, we go back to roles, responsibilities, how God created us. And, and, um, and I think it's holy for a husband to desire his wife. And so um, that, is, that is not a negative thing. And, and he's not crazy, you know. <laughs> this, is, this is how God has wired us. And so we want to we dive into that. Definitely kind of a touchy situation there, but uh, begin to uncover some of those reasons. Um, you know, when we go through a series like this, because so many marriages are, you know, have struggles and, and we, we have so many areas that we need help in, a lot of times it can just be overwhelming. You know, we hear something we're like, oh yeah, we got to do that. We hear that, oh yeah, we got to do that. And then it becomes this pile of so much stuff that we've got to do that we just kind of, we get overwhelmed and, and we end up not making any progress at all. And so one of the ways that I wanted to close today is just by saying, look, what's the one thing that you would like your spouse to focus on and, and the one thing that you want your spouse to begin to deal with? And share that with her and say, honey, this is the one area. Lovingly, I, I see as a, a, a major need in our marriage. Could, could, could you work on this? And, and to receive the one statement, she's going to reply back to you and say, yeah, I, I'll, I'll consider that. And we're going to work through that. And here's the one thing I want for you to work on. And so for the next three months, you know, we're just really focusing on this one area. If it's encouragement, then, then, then wives, you're going to send the text messages and write the cards and say the, the, the things that catch your husband doing, you know, good things and encourage him and, and uh, champion him in that. And, and, and husbands, if it's helping out, you know, bringing that support at home, it's helping more with the house, helping more with the kids. And, and, and whatever it is, we intentionally begin to think about it and work on it. And in and, and our prayer life, and we're eating dinner together, and we're hanging out, we're reminding each other of these things, not in a condemning, roll your eyes, sarcastic, judgmental way, but, but it's, a, okay, here's what we wrote down. Here are the things that we're working on. How are we doing? Because at the end of the year, we don't get like a report card on our marriage. You know, it doesn't come in the mail like, oh man, we made a C in our marriage this year. Dang it, we need to, we need to get better or, oh, we, we, we're failing. <laughs> we don't get that report. Uh, but we have to do that intuitively. We have to do that in our own uh, way. We have to talk about it and deal with it ourselves. And in so doing, honor God with our marriage and bring Him glory and show our kids what marriage is. Is, 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 is about and, and, and how God's desired um, is, is for us to love each other sacrificially and to serve each other. And so um, I hope that you'll take that one thing, whatever it is, whatever God spoke to you, and focus on that over the next few weeks. And so, Micah, I know this is not your cup of tea. This was not comfortable for you. So thank you for joining me today. Would you guys just yes, thank her? And I wanted to close today just by asking all the dads in the room to stand up for a second. So even if your kids aren't here today, if you're a dad, a grandfather, would you please stand up? Yeah, let's celebrate them. And for everybody else in the room, um, I want to encourage you to stand up and put your hand on somebody's shoulder, uh, your dad's shoulder. Uh, if there is a dad here that maybe not have anybody around him, would you put your shoulder, hand on his shoulder as well? And uh, let's lift them up. We're going to close uh, today just by asking God's blessing upon them and uh, pray for them and lift them up. Uh, today. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you today, and um, it, it's, a, it's just a, a, a high role that our dads play in our life. 
And so we want to thank you for um, our fathers. We want to thank you for the spiritual dads that are in the room today. We want to thank you for uh, your love as, as our heavenly father. And Lord, I, I pray that we would look to you uh, today, be inspired and encouraged by you. God, I pray that the dads in the room would leave today with, with a holy unrest to repent of sin in their life and to lead like never before in their life. Lord, I pray that you would hear the prayers of, of the, the men and women in this room for their fathers right now, and that, God, you would meet those needs, whatever those needs are, you would, you would encourage them. God, they would step into leadership roles and, and initiate in their marriage, initiate in their families. God, that they would, they would um, sense that calling and, and see that as a high calling and walk into that with confidence and walk into that filled with the Spirit. God, we, we want to serve you to the best of our ability. And so, Lord, I pray that you would just sweep across this church in a powerful way, empowering men to be spiritual leaders in their homes. And so, Father, we're grateful and thankful uh, for the time that we've spent today. And would you go with us today? We know that you're with us. We know that you will. And encourage us every day as we strive to live for you. Make us more like Jesus. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Have a great Father's Day. We'll see you next Sunday when we start a brand new series. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.